Make sure you check out our sponsor over at 714 Tickets. They take pride in providing their customers with transparent pricing and excellent service. With 714 Tickets, you don't have to worry about hidden fees or surprises at checkout. The price you see is the price you pay. Plus, our team is dedicated to ensuring that you have the best shopping experience possible. And as a special thank you, we're offering a 10% discount on your purchase as well as entering you in a drawing for a free Halo's jersey. Also, 5% cash back on your purchase. Only when you use the promotional code HITI at checkout. That's H-I-T-I, HITI. Get ready to shop with confidence and discover great deals today over at 714 Tickets. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast forum. I am back, Todd Fox, the host of the show, along with the other two hosts of the show. Fernando, the Lone Star Halo, who has to pretend like we haven't been trying to record for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Way to throw us under the bus. <laughs> it's right. been an eventful 30 minutes, guys. Todd's internet isn't working. Cut, cut, no. <laughs> Don't act like you're going to edit that out in post either. No, I'm not. Oh, my gosh. And it's Courtney. <laughs> it's Courtney, the trash halo. <laughs> there you go. Residing from parts unknown in San, in San Bernardino. Yeah, yes. probably for the best. The people <laughs> in San Bernardino don't know where they are either. So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're so high on meth. Um, but moving on. Oh, no. <laughs> in the Baker's parking lot. <laughs> yep. But moving on, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to get into a little bit of a recap of Kansas City, even though we kind of did that on the last show that I wasn't on. They let me know the last time we tried to record. And then also we're going to talk about the Oakland series uh, and then get into the big road trip, which goes through Milwaukee and uh, and uh, also St. Louis before coming back here home because May is going to be a t- tough MF as far as games to be played against, uh, and teams to be played against as uh, the Angels try to stay above 500 before April. So let's let you know if they did so. So, again, you guys recapped the Kansas City series. Uh, you guys got it right. Uh, you picked uh, two out of three and both. You did the Rally Chris special. So now what happened in the Oakland series? Well, Courtney and I predicted three out of four. Our inner halo honk shine because the Angels won three out of four, which means we had a winning homestand, guys. Correct. We did. I know. I was so shocked that we could even pull that out, especially because today, tonight, we almost lost it. I was about to lose my shit if we really blew, like, what was it, an eight and two lead? Like, there was no way that should have been an eight and seven win. I'm, I'm, what, we won. I understand we won, but can we just not make it not look as scary next time? That would be great. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and one of the biggest reasons, and I don't want to get too into it because I know we're going to talk about it later, is, is Kehada. I can't believe, you know, he went from being one of our best relievers to, uh, I don't know about this guy anymore. Thanks. Yeah, not Speak- so good. We'll break into that. But another picture that that uh, I think we, we touched on a little bit prior to this was the Suarez thing. Yeah, that was, and- that was the transition I was going to use. Speaking yeah. of pictures... <laughs> Because that's a guy I was honking up since preseason. I thought this guy would turn the page. He would turn into a starter that, you know, you know, that some of us think he could have that kind of depth in the rotation. Um, me being one of them. And boy, oh boy, did he shit the bed uh, in this start against Oakland. And uh, Courtney, what did he do against uh, two particular players? Um, I think it is just an amazing stat to have to where you really sit there and give up back-to-back home runs to the same two people 
twice. Like that, I, that is unfathomable. I am baffled. I am speechless. Round of applause for you, Suarez, because I never thought there could ever be a worse stat than that against the Angels rotation. And you, you took it upon yourself to just really stick it to them. I love it. Brava, brava. El Demente with the letter L. El Demoted is uh, his boy who's honk. He was honking harder than a honk could possibly be honked. A man, I mean, seven earned runs. This boy got lit up like a firecracker on 4th of July. This boy got lit up like uh, that one Katy Perry song, Firework. And yes, definitely. And I mean, he gave it up to people in, a, in the lineup where you don't even know the names of. Again, like you get yeah. people like Langoliers. Langoliers. I will say that is a fun name to say once you figure it out. But <sighs> like. No, 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 no. Hey, remember, he, he, uh, the Oakland A's, they have uh, Johnny Damon, right? And uh, they have David Justice. Oh, and yeah. uh, they have, uh, God, what's that? Mark McGuire. They have that cat. Coco Crisp. Yeah. Coco Crisp. Yeah. There you go. Oh, they, have, they have some guys. They, they have a little <laughs> bit of talent. Well, hell, don't they still have Mike Piazza back there? I think so. Jeez. I mean, that that damn lineup, I, that's one of the most good <sighs> lineups in baseball. And but I'm saying. Langle- so I don't even know how Suarez stood a chance. Langoliers <laughs> sounds like either a Muppet or a, a bad Stephen King movie. Yeah, it also sounds like uh, like like the worst version of shingles. Like like an older <laughs> person might have shingles. Well, they have Langoliers. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Oh, are they okay? <laughs> yeah, it's like it sounds like one of those southern, the deep south type. Uh, what what do you call diseases? Like, oh no, Bob's got the Langoliers. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like I need to get vaccinated for it immediately. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I suggest you all do the same. Langoliers, no thanks. It sounds like one of those things that's going to come out with like a commercial maybe in like five years. Have you ever taken like so-and-so a prescription? Well, you may have Langoliers. Like- <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're participating in this nationwide lawsuit. Make sure to call this phone number if you are a victim of Langoliers. If you've been exposed to Langoliers. <laughs> <laughs> oh man this poor you know, guy. <laughs> it sounds like a blumhouse movie that just got a three percent on rotten tomatoes yeah. <laughs> langoliers the clown oh I'm my sorry. gosh this, we're this gonna one. get a season desist order with this guy i know right <laughs> he's all that's i have a family heritage yeah of course you do you should see my family crest <laughs> <laughs> oh man i can't breathe this, this fan's a catcher who's batting 217. It sounds like he's got Langoliers, a.k.a. shingles. Yeah. He's going to be on the I.L. before you know it. <laughs> All right, well, Lars is not with Langoliers. I don't wish that in my worst enemies. Sippy <laughs> <laughs> Toto. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. It's this like, hey, does it burn when you pee? Yeah, it does. You may have the Langoliers. <laughs> no. Dude, we lost like half our audience. Thank you to our sponsors. Send one for tickets. Yes. Use code HITI at checkout. H-I-T-I for 10% off. Hey, hey, we helped charity last week. We bought ourselves a couple of points before Absolutely. we dig the, the hole deeper into hell. Yeah. Um, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's but, not the reason I'm going to hell. No, no. But let's get let's get back on track here. Oakland. <laughs> 
Oakland is not the best team is, is basically what we're saying. If your superstar is Langoliers, you're in trouble. And they literally don't have much of a team around them. They're supposed to be a historically bad team this year with the most losses in all of Major League Baseball. Um, as they went into the series with just four wins, they leave it, thankfully, with five. Um, but they are 5-21 and 21 after this series. Angels take three of four, but that first game was a punch in the gut, and we were like, please don't lose anymore. For them only having five wins, I'm still mad that two of a, two of their wins is us. Yeah. yeah. Can we just please let that sink in. Like, this uh, is a fourthly bad team. And we lost to them on opening day, of all things. And then we, and then we lost to them again. So, they got 20% of their wins from us. Yeah. So I just, you know, just food for thought. Just want to put that out there. Oh, and Tyler Wade's a part-time starter on the team. Yeah. And I think Duffy, too. I think I've seen Duffy out there. That was no, he's on, he's on he, He's on the Royals. Oh, I was like, I've seen Duffy yeah. somewhere. That was nice. Yeah, get your stuff together. Sorry. <laughs> Been a little. Uh, yeah, it's, she's got, it's all right. You got Langelier brain. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'll, I'll say this: uh, say what you want about this athletics lineup not being good. I mean, they scored a pretty decent amount of runs, all things considered, this entire series. Absolutely, um, they they did a lot of things. Uh, you know, they they hit the ball a lot harder than I thought they were, and uh, I thought they were going to do. I thought uh, they were going to be like Detroit, you know, like barely hitting it out of the infield or Washington. Um, they they really tore the cover off the ball, and um, we robbed them of a few home runs as well. I mean, there could have been some bigger plays. Uh, there could have been a grand slam that first night, too. I mean, we went into extra innings and lost that game again, like we do every extra inning game. So, yeah, it, Oakland was definitely playing much better than they had played prior. I think, they, I think Tampa Bay had destroyed them right before we saw them. So, um, yeah, I mean – it was it was definitely disappointing that first night because you kind of felt like crap. We can't get into a rut this entire series versus a, such a bad team. Yeah, and I oh. definitely think like food for thought. I'm sorry, Fernanda, but like I I think one thing that Oakland does they for for the most part they almost stick to fun fundamental baseball as far as stealing bases. Uh, you know, like stealing bases, just trying not to do too much with what's given, you know, like it's it's just very basic what Oakland is doing. And I think there was a post that came out that the Oakland A's actually have more hits than the Yankees as of right now. Um, it, it definitely doesn't show for it because obviously with like a five, what is a five and 17 record or something like that, but to really be out hitting the Yankees right now, like that, you know, the bomber bomber Bronx or whatever, like Bronx Bombers, there we go, Jesus. Um, that, <laughs> but I think that's still good. Just goes to show, like it's there's they're still sticking to fundamental baseball, even though their record may not show it right now at this time. Um, and I think maybe we can even take a page or two out of their handbook when it comes to base stealing. That's just me. Uh, I forgot what I, I know we were talking about. Oh, here we go. Yeah, 166 Yankees total hits this season, 171 A's total hits this season. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, and then you have as far that as was like stolen, two days ago that, that yeah, was, it was two days ago, so it, it probably changed. And as far as stolen bases, Oakland had four in one game by Ruiz, and we have two guys that have two as our lead team leaders, Shohei and Brett Phillips. 
So that's pretty bad. It just goes to show you Oakland's going to try to steal bases a lot. And, um, you know, at least they're, like she said, they're doing the fundamentals, which I wish the Eagles would do. At least you're telling me that they did something. That Brett Phillips is doing something. He's stealing bases because as of right now, man, he's just the designated vibes guy. Well, I mean, nobody puts a samurai hat on a player that assisted a home run like Brett Phillips. Let's just hey. let's just be honest. It is graceful. Yeah, it, it's, true. it's the most graceful way of putting that samurai hat on. I Jesus, I can't believe we we signed seven million for that. I love it. We paid one million for that, right? Oh, one million. Oh. Yes. That's a lot. I know. Yeah. Hey, the vibes are good though. The vibes are good. Yeah, and you can you can always get a Brett Phillips autograph because he autographs anything and everything. which is awesome by the way i mean i have mine over here and we're still probably going to give it out to somebody but nobody wanted it so (laughs) (laughs) well with that being said that game one loss kind of put us back in a damper we went under a game 500 uh at the point at that point but then the next game was who was the angels versus oakland again game two who was starting on the mound uh, we weren't going to go on any rants about that Suarez game. Well, I, I mean, we're so far removed from that game. I, I think so we've all, yeah, I think we've all kind of moved on. We're all, I, mean, I was pissed off that night, man. I want to get into the Todd and Randy debates about Trout. Oh, yeah, let's not do that, please. I'm, <laughs> I'm admittedly over that debate. Um, game two was Griffin Canning coming back. Uh, this is what his third start, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Post injury, uh, it was his first win since I believe 2021. Pitched five innings, gave up four hits, three runs, all of them earned. Walked two, struck out seven, and his ERA is now 4.11 on the young season for him. And the Angels won five to three. Yeah, not a dominating performance by any stretch of the imagination, but he kept the ball down, kept the Angels in the lead, and uh, they got the run when they needed to. Uh, and to to extend the lead, I think to five three, it was four to three. They were catching up, and uh, they put the game away. And it was nice to see. Um, that was the total team effort right there. I thought the Angels played well in that game to get back to five hundred. It was a good bounce back after getting their heart r- broken on Monday. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes with our team, um, I don't know if we take like losses well, and I. That may sound silly to say, but it's just like when when you lose an in extra innings, you're just like, oh, bro, like, you know, what what could somebody have done, you know? And I think, or at least I would hope, like our boys have that mentality of like, dang, you know what? Like if one person just would have did this, or you know, maybe if one person should have done this instead of this. Um, but like sometimes like having a loss, especially to a team like Oakland in extra innings sometimes doesn't go over well. And I think that was my fear, especially with canning starting the next day, obviously not, not anything against canning. It's just that would the team support him. Um, So I think it was good just having the, having our lineup, thankfully pushing enough runs to have canning get that win. Um, I was, again, I would still like to see more runs uh, because we have the lineup to do it, but I would definitely like to see more runs, um, especially against weaker teams, but Again, that's just me. I digress. Yeah, and that would set us up for game three as, you know, we, we wanted more runs against a bad team, like you said, and we got them the next night. And it was Sandy, and her man was on the mound. Courtney's man was on the mound. And, and to be honest, you know, he didn't have that killer instinct look, whether it was Oakland or not. He got into a little trouble through a lot more pitches than he than he wanted to. 
but he settled down and he pitched, I believe, into the seventh inning. And uh, it was a clear-cut win. I mean, he, when he left, it was 8-3. to three, And then Otani went deep. So, I mean, they wound up blowing him out in a game where you thought that was going to be the result in the first two games. Oh, you're muted. you're muted. We've talked already a couple times about Patrick Sandoval being uh, disrespected overall for his career because this guy – consistently does not get run support. I mean, this guy's been pitching for years at the major league level and pitching well, and he's barely cracked double-digit career win totals. I think this is what, like career win number 12, 13? It's something like that. Pretty damn, yeah, pretty damn low, man. For a pitcher who is, you know, a very, very, very talented pitcher, we're not talking about a middle-of-the-pack guy. We're not talking about a Jose Suarez type guy. We're talking about, you know, Patrick Sandoval, a guy who has the ability to be a number two number three starter on most rotations in Major League Baseball. And uh, luckily, he finally got some run support. You know, you can say what you want about like, oh, well, you know, it's it's April. Oh, well, it's the athletics. Let's not get too confident. And yeah, all that's absolutely true. But you're supposed to be beating teams like the A's who have five wins uh, by a margin like this, or at least by a comfortable margin, not by what happened Monday. You know, a team like the A's shouldn't be scoring 10 runs in a game or 11 runs. They should be scoring three runs, maybe two, maybe one. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think Sandoval getting that run support definitely helps. Um, even though, you know, he got into some trouble that, you know, first inning, I definitely wasn't concerned. Of course, it's not like his all-star start you know it's not a a surefire start for him um the only thing I was concerned about was just him having that run support um you know because I I know that guy has passion I know he has heart to have him have so many not like just he doesn't have any wins for for how long he's been pitching um I personally gained a lot more respect for him especially seeing him pitch for Team Mexico in the WBC thought that was great love him um you know, I would, I can somewhat see the fire die down from that, but I still think he still has a lot to offer for our rotation. I still think he should be a more respected pitcher, just not for our organization, but MLB in general. Um, I was just glad that he finally had that run support. Um, Otani, I think, got the three-run bomb finally, just, just kind of put the nail in the coffin, so that was great, um, you know, because we were waiting for him to hit the right side of the barn. And so that was, that was fun. That was a fun game for once. Yeah. And we'll talk about some more contributors in this series as we move on here, because we're going to get into today's game, which was pretty oh, damn. Can we oh, touch but... on one thing real quick before we yeah, move yeah, yeah, on from this game? Uh, let's talk about Chase Silseth coming up. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, Chase he... Silseth came up. Uh, he only pitched two innings, but I mean, you know, he, he was able to preserve the bullpen, right? I mean, Sandoval went seven innings. Silseth finished it off. And, uh, I mean, that was good to see. His velo was up. A lot of people were concerned because his uh, velocity was down in the minors this year. He was in the ni- at 94s, 95 range. I mean, he was pumping in 97, 98 consistently here. Yeah, the only problem was they were kind of hitting him at first. He was missing his spot, so he looked kind of rusty. I didn't like the fact they're going to bring a guy who's been starting in the minors the last two years now in as reliever. I thought that was a major uh, s- stupid move. And the fact that also, you know, if you're going to make the move with Silseth, put Suarez in the pen, move Silseth to the rotation. Um, it just, 
And, and the fact that they're they're not pitching guys back to back games was just insane. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we we saw that Estevez said, "Hey, you know what?" And he walked over to to um, Nevin and said, "You know, if I'm ready, go with my gut. I'll pit. I'll pitch." Yeah. So uh, he's he's probably the first one to come out and stand up and be a leader and say, "You know what, dude? I don't agree with your guys' philosophy." And hopefully more pitchers take that that angle because this one day on one day off stuff is not going to work. No, it's already not working. I mean, I heard the argument was that Phil Nevin said that last year the Angels had a good bullpen in April, and then when May June rolled around, the guys started to get gassed, and he wants to avoid that. But it's like these guys are major league pitchers. You know, if you want to make a rule like they don't pitch more than two or three days in a row, okay, I get that. Especially mm-hmm. after three days. Three high leverage days, okay, maybe that's when you have a, an option B for a closer. You know, it's Estevez, and then maybe on that fourth day, you know, we'll go with somebody else. But um, yeah, these guys are major league pitchers, man. you got to let them pitch. That's what they're here for. Yeah, I'm not understanding the load management that we're trying to do. It's like yeah. we're already treating them like they're hurt. Um, or like we're already treating them like it's a rehab assignment or something, and I'm not understanding why. Um, I definitely don't agree with one day on, one day off, like, you know, especially for, for our bullpen or for our closer, even, um, I mean, that, that's your, that's your goddamn job. Like <laughs> that that's your job. Like you're supposed to be, you know, that end of relief or, you know, you're supposed to be the closer. And it, obviously if you do your job well, you should be able to get, you know, three outs. If anything, you're not facing more than four batters and that's with, with a mistake, um, you really need to tell me you can't handle four batters in a, in a 24 hour time span. Like that's ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I understand they're major league players. I understand that given our history, we're trying to avoid injuries as much as we can, but at the same time, what are we paying them to do? And we have a training staff, you know, obviously, you're, you know, you go get ice, you go get stretched, you go get, do whatever treatment you're supposed to be doing. That way you are ready the next day. Um, I definitely don't agree with this load management shit that's happening. Cause that's, that's whack. That is so whack. I'm not understanding why we're doing that. It's trash. It's very trash. Estevez literally, I, I believe that if he was available in that first game against Oakland, we win that game. Jaime was called in to do a situation he was not used to. Andrew Wentz was asked to close, which he's never done before. Um, and then you literally throw Estevez six pitches on Sunday versus the Royals and say he's not available and that you're doing everything to avoid using him that night. It's like, bro, his arm's not going to fall off. He threw more pitches probably warming up than he did in the actual game. So what are you doing? And then correct me if I'm wrong. One more thing on what Nevin said following up for what Fernando said. As far as burning out our bullpen last year and that 14-game losing streak and all that crap, I tend to remember us losing those games because we couldn't score, not because we couldn't pitch. We weren't blowing leads because we couldn't score to get a lead. Yeah. Yeah. The more I think lately, like I feel like the bulk of the Angels' last couple seasons, uh, their lack of success has resulted because of bad back end of the bullpen. But last year, pitching wasn't the issue. We said that in nauseam last year. It was the offense. In 2020, when the Angels missed this, uh, it came down to the final series where we needed to sweep the Dodgers. Uh, the Angels had the most blown saves that year yep. out of every team in Major League Baseball. So they didn't have a closer back then. 2021, I feel like, was a, a very similar song and dance. The back end of the bullpen wasn't great. 
And then, you know, last year they had a pretty decent pitching staff. It wasn't amazing, but it was serviceable. Their starting rotation was great. Their bullpen was, you know, average to, you know, slightly above average to slightly below average. It, you know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't a pitching situation last year. It was lack of run support. Yeah, it's definitely lack of run support. And I think it's more of just not knowing your role. And I think, I don't know if it's just because obviously Nevin was our inter- interim manager halfway through the year. Um, but I feel like at a certain point, especially when you get to after the all-star break, you, you have a role, you know, your role. So you should have your, your lights out closer. You should have your guy that you throw in the eighth. You should have your guy that you throw in the seventh. that, and that's it. Like that is the role that you're supposed to be playing. It doesn't change or alternate from that unless that, of course, injury, knock on wood, or, you know, of course, you know, yeah, the guy has already thrown two or three games in a row. Then that's when you have your, I guess, your B options or whatever. But other than that, I really don't think after May, going into June and July, we, sh- we should not have this these situations to where, you know, we're throwing in Wance instead of more, you know, or, you know, we take out more too soon because just because a left-handed batter's up. Like, I don't. I don't agree with that philosophy. You you have your role and that's what you stick to until you genuinely fuck up that role so bad to where you're just like, you know what? No, now we have to try to put you somewhere else. Like, but other than that, once you solidify your role, like if we're going to have, you know, more be our seventh and eighth inning guy, let him be. You know, it doesn't matter who's coming up. It doesn't matter if it's a righty, lefty, righty, like just leave it be. And then if he gets into trouble, okay, now you start warming up somebody else. Let it be. But I think I almost think we're doing too much moving around right now. I don't know if it's just because it's April, we're trying to see who has what, but I I definitely don't agree with it. It's not sitting right with me. I think it's a double-edged sword because there's also times where Phil Nevin leaves guys in too long. Like the Jose Suarez thing. Like there was when it was just a home run, you know, show, it was just like, what is this guy still doing out there? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and by the end, it was like, okay, all right, you know, he's starting to settle down. All right. But it's like even the final game with Otani when he was giving up five earned runs, yeah, he settled in after that. But there was a little while there where it was like, bro, oh, we got to get Otani out of there. This guy is getting lit up. Yeah, it's going to go into what we were talking about here today because today's game on the post game, I said it was a roller coaster of a game. It felt like, uh, you know, it was going to be over in two hours and 20 minutes. It wound up lasting about almost three and a half because, you know, again, the game was going at a fast pace till the third inning. And the Angels, you know, a guy that we're going to talk about probably when this series is over is Brandon Jury, you know, hit, hit a three run homer to cap off a five run inning. And you're thinking, okay, Otani's going to go back out there. He shined the first three innings. He's going to put, put an up another zero, and we're going to cruise to a victory. And he immediately, like Fernando says, gives up. I mean, he starts – I mean, he looked like he hadn't pitched all day, and he was getting shellacked. It was hard-hit balls. Uh, Renfro missed a home run catch. And before you know it, it's 5-5, and he nearly gave up the lead by the time the inning was over. He's probably one bat away from getting, uh, you know, getting pulled right there. But credit the Angels that came back with a couple runs, got another tack on run, and then it looked like, uh, you know, things were going good. Kajeda comes in there, and he gets into some trouble, and then all of a sudden Renifo just has to make one play, 
whoops, an error, and two runs scored, and uh, Loop almost boxed in a run. <laughs> and before you know it, the Angels had to go to Estevez after Loop got out of the jam and by a nice play by Rendon, and uh, Estevez, Estevez uh, shuts the door in Oakland, and they get the series win. You brought up Renjifo. Let's talk about him real quick. Through 67 at-bats, he has 13 hits. One of those was a home run. Eight RBIs. He's still on two bases, so he's you know up there in the team lead. He's got a 194 batting average. However, one positive, he's got an on-base percentage of 333. So he's very clearly still getting on base. He obviously had that air that could have been way costlier if he wasn't bailed out by some teammates today. Yep. What's your opinion on Luis Renjifo so far this year? Is he cooked? Because I was the one all offseason saying that I wasn't sold on Luis Renjifo. Todd was uh, was also on the Renjifo bandwagon over there, along with Jose Suarez. <laughs> so you're calling me out, huh? Yep, your honk was showing. Yeah, your honk's been showing everywhere, Todd. Um, you need to keep your honk in your pants. Hey, my honk gets around. Oh, no. Oh, no. Hopefully your, hopefully your fiance doesn't listen to this episode. I know. It got around to her, and that's where it stopped. Let's just put it to that way. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the hope, right? Yeah. You hear that? Todd admits he was honking around. Yeah, that's the truth, and I stand by it. All right. What were you saying now, Courtney? Let's get off of my hook here for a minute. Um, I think Red Hefo, I really think I'm hoping it's just a slump. Um, I would still like to see Ren Hefo, you know, up with the Angels. I don't think we should send him down. I don't think necessarily he should be a starter. I'm I'm very curious just to see what his role is. Cause quite honestly, again, like I guess I don't know. I'm a role person. Like I feel like you you have your role. And I understand having utility players. I don't I think he started in all the outfield already. Like just this series alone. I don't know because I know we kind of moved him around. I think it was um, in right field one of those games. Yeah. Yeah. He was like in right field this series and I think we started him and left somewhere else. Like and I think I, I know they're major league baseball players. I know these are grown ass men. Um, you should be able to adapt, but I mean, at the end of the day, like you, I don't know, you, you practice a position because you're trying to master it. You're trying to master and perfect it. And I feel like we haven't give, given Renjifo that chance to do that, at least personally, um, you know, cause we, we kind of keep moving him around. Um, I don't know if that's supposed to be his role. Like he's just the fill-in guy. Like, you know, if someone's hurt or if someone's taking an off day, hey, just throw Ren Hefo out there. He'll figure it out. Um, if that's the case, that I hey, that's on him. I think that kind of blows. But <laughs> um, you know, as far as like his hitting mechanics, um, I feel like honestly, he he could use some adjustments, but I really think I would like to see him use his speed, even though his short little legs can only get him so far so fast. Um, he is actually one of our fat, like faster runners. Um, I would like to see him use the whole field. Um, you know, don't try to do too much with your swing. Don't try to do too much with the pitch. You know, if it's, a you know, outside pitch, go oppo. I'm not, you know, just throw your hands out there. Um, if, of course, if it's inside, then turn on it. Um, even lay down a bunt every once in a while. But, um, you know, his on-base percentage obviously is great because uh, obviously in order to get runs, you need to get on base. So that's half the battle already. And looks like he's kind of figured that out. But as far as his hitting, um, I'm still concerned with his hitting. 
I think when you look at Renifo, he can be a player that can crack the lineup every now and then or every other day. Um, you try to get him in there as much as possible because, like you said, the on-base percentage with all the walks. But I will say this, that he's come up a little short, no pun intended, when it comes to like runners in scoring position. Not as bad as somebody else on the team, but um, I will say this, that when Walsh comes back, the two floating positions on this team will come down to one. And the floating positions means, you know, Renifo can either fill in in center field or left field or right field. He could play second. He could play short. Um, the same thing is with Brendan Jury. He could play first, second, short, uh, even third. Um, you could put him in the outfield if you wanted to. I think one of those floating positions now with a series that Drury had, I think is is held for him now. Renifo will be the guy who's going to lose a lot of playing time once Walsh returns to the lineup, in my opinion. Yeah, I could see him being, you know, the odd man out for for losing a little bit of time. I I, I don't know, you know, I mean, Drury's hot right now. You can't take Drury out. Urshela's been having a good season. You can't take Urshela out. You know, Walsh is going to get the benefit of the doubt when he is finally able to come here because, you know, he, he was an all-star before. And, you know... Renhifo has been a flash in the pan. He's had a couple of times where he caught lightning in a bottle, but overall he hasn't made it last consistently in the major leagues. And, you know, because of that, naturally he has to be the odd man out. Yeah. And he could be a valuable trade piece down the line too. He very well could be. Yeah. And I think Nevin still holds, I mean, I would hope not. These are grown ass men, but I feel like Nevin um, kind of felt some type of way with Renjifo going to play for Venezuela. And then he didn't play uh, for the WBC because um, that was obviously valuable time. I mean, I you can't predict your playing time, especially in the WBC, but it's that knowing what we know now, Renjifo could have, you know, stayed in spring training. You know, and yeah. obviously that, that could have been more valuable time, you know, and benefited him more than obviously sitting the bench for Venezuela. So Courtney, he learned so much from Jose Altuve. Cheater, oh, that cheater. Yeah, I bet. Well, let me yeah. ask you guys this question. Okay. You know, as far as hot angels, speaking of jury, um, do, which of the two angels between jury and Renfro did you see this coming from like, like, did you see uh, either one of these guys or both of them uh, at this point where they are right now? Cause it looks like uh, Renfro's got seven homers, 20 RBIs. And I think what is a jury's got like five home runs, 14 or 15 RBIs already. I mean, did you expect this from both of these guys? Renfro? Yes. Drury? No, not yet. I thought Drury was going to be a solid signing, but I thought he was going to be nothing more than just above average depth mm -hmm. uh renfro i've watched play i've seen enough of his you know potential to know that it's there and it exists but um yeah i, I was excited about getting renfro in the first place i mean he he's gonna be one of the team leaders in rbis he'll be in the 90 to 110 ballpark in terms of rbis and everyone's been saying he's a 30 home run guy so do we re-sign him yes do we re-sign him? Yeah, that's going to be a question of the day soon for sure. <laughs> um, I honestly did not expect that much out of Ren uh, Renfro. Um, I definitely didn't think he was going to suck. I did, I'm not saying that. I'm market. I'm not saying that he was going to suck. I just was not expecting the way for him to be as hot as he is right now. 
Um, Drury, I had more hope for just because he came from the Padres. You know, obviously he came in clutch for the Padres um, for the most part, especially when it came to the playoffs. Um, so I think I just expected more out of him given the environment that he came from. Um, so for me, I was actually not surprised that this is coming out of jury. I've been more surprised with Renfro. So I was the opposite of Fernando. I was, I was just going to say real quick that Renfro, like out looking at his numbers, like Fernando said, he's been very consistent. You know, I, I figured he would put up a 28 and 79 with this and that'd be good. But it, like you said, he's on pace to to uh, put up some career numbers, and then Drury started out pretty dreadful, and now he's on a, on on fire. So I'm very excited about these two guys. You know who I was excited about seeing mm-hmm. Tyler Wade play. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! His ER, his batting average is point zero seven seven. Perfect. He'd fit right in here. Yeah, there you go. Well, what do you guys think about the great debate? Um, as far as us winning on this, you know, we played inferior opponents. The last time we talked as a collective group, we thought that Trout and Otani need to get it going with runners in scoring position. They're setting up the uh, the bottom of the lineup to drive them in, which is what ha- what's happening with Drury and Urshela and you know Neto and those guys and Renfro. They're all driving him, those guys in, but it seems like when the opposite is there, the bottom of the order setting up the the you know the top guys, even Ward. Ward isn't knocking in these runs. Um, he's doing yeah. a little bit better job than Otani and Trout is, but he's not really doing the job either. But are you guys concerned that it that in a series versus very mediocre pitching, Trout for two or three of those seven games where the lineup was killing it from top to bottom, he got an offer. Um, I will say I'm extremely tired of this debate. Um <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time I heard Randy and Todd bitch to each other about <laughs> Trout being clutch or not clutch, and this is on both sides of the party here, I would have enough money for my hair to look just like John Stamos's hair. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Todd, I'm tired of this argument on both sides of the spectrum. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. Trout was not coming in clutch this series um, I want Trout to succeed. I need Trout to succeed. If Trout does not succeed, you know, in, in these big game situations, the eighth, ninth inning, when he's got bases loaded, things like that, um, then this team's going to be in trouble. They're going to continue to not make the playoffs because Trout's the kind of guy you look at. You know, and Otani, for the bulk, uh, we were having the same argument. You know, he came up clutch uh, with that three-run shot, mm-hmm. the second to last game of this series you know, to kind of pad the lead there. But overall, man, I mean, you know, those are two guys you consistently need to come through. Those are the dudes. They get paid to be the dudes. And more often than not, they don't come up with the hit. Notice I never say the home run. I don't need my clutch guy to be a a home run hitter. You know, slap a ball in the gap. It doesn't matter to me. True. Courtney? Yeah, I um first of all, can we please define the definition of clutch? Because if there's people calling Otani's three-run home run with an 8-3 lead clutch, you guys are stupid baseball fans. That is not clutch. We're already winning. That's for saying that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, but that's not that's not 
my definition of clutch. Clutch is like, oh, we're tied. It's five, five. And then, you know, he hits, a you know, the go ahead double or, you know, or hell, even if you want to call it the go ahead home run or whatever, but not, oh, this is the three run home run that, and it, now we're going to get into mercy rule runs. Like, no, that's not, that's not clutch, at least not to me. Um, as far as the entire debate goes, I don't, I don't, and I have never believed that Trout is clutch when it comes to his hitting. I have never believed that. I understand that he makes amazing plays in center field. Um, he's, you know, we've all seen the historical picture of him bringing a ball back in center field. We love it. We love to see it. I do not think that man is clutch. Not to say that he is not a great player, not to say that he sucks, but that man is not clutch. Now, I will say having him in the number two spot in the lineup is not helping um, because I've, I was, I was a softball player myself, uh, you know, one through nine lineup. I feel like each role, at least your one, two, and three guys, they have a role. Your leadoff is supposed to get on base. Your second base, your second spot is actually supposed to be sacrificing himself to get your lead off over in, in a perfect world, ideal world. Mm-hmm. And then your third batter drives in the RBI and your fourth batter. So at least in the spot, if we're going to keep him at number two, it's going to be very hard for Trout to get the RBIs that we're looking for, at least early in the game. Of course, later in the game, you know, and our no seven eight and nine guys get on then yes obviously he has those opportunities but in the perfect ideal world your leadoff gets on your two batter is actually sacrificing himself to get your leadoff over at least that's the way i was taught it it could be different in a man world but (laughs) yeah go ahead you know but other than that i think i am concerned about trout's hitting um And I think a lot of us are basing his greatness and popularity on just that, his popularity of what he used to be. Um, And I think we're going to be at the cusp right now. Like right now he should hypothetically be in his peak, but this man has also been in the league for 10 years now. I think we're on the cusp of seeing him digress. Like, and not to say bad in a bad way, but he's about to be tailing off sometime soon. I don't want that to happen, but he is getting hypothetically older in MLB standards, or at least to me. Father time is undefeated. (laughs) Yeah. And then Otani, on the other hand, I haven't liked his hitting ever since the WBC. I think he's trying to develop some type of slap style like Ichiro, and he's not Ichiro. Otani has, has a lot of power use it stand in the like stand in the box for some reason he keeps trying to walk out he's walking out of the box before the pitch is before the catcher even has the pitch sometimes yeah and i'm not understanding where or how he developed that if you don't stand in that goddamn box like what are you doing and i honestly feel like that's why some umpires give him a strike three call just because he's already walking out like it, it doesn't even matter where that ball is thrown clearly if it can't be in the actual dirt but if you're already walking out i feel like as an umpire low-key that's disrespectful i'm gonna call you i'm going to strike you out if you're trying to walk out on me so i i definitely think some more hitting mechanics need to be taught to otani or somebody needs to try to get through to him sometimes i wonder how much more power he could have if he actually kept his feet planted in the box 
and he did it, you know, price running as he swung like Ichiro used to. By the way, I pulled up the dictionary.com definition of clutch for sports. <laughs> so obviously the word clutch is a slang term. I need to preface that. Okay, clutch refers to something done in parentheses well in critical situation, such as clutch play in sports that pushes a team into victory. Clutch can characterize something as excellent or effective. So according to the dictionary definition, definition, it needs to push a team into victory. Well, I'll have to chime in on that real quick. Is I'll I'll compare it to two other sports. Okay. In basketball, LeBron James was criticized for the most part of his early career, including up to I think year eight, where it was, man, he he can score you 36, 46 points, but when he doesn't want the ball at the end. Like, he's not clutch. Like, whenever you've seen LeBron nail a three, it took him a while before he started coming up with some clutch shots. Mm -hmm. And then in football, you'll see quarterbacks that, you know, hey, man, if you got the lead, you know, he'll hold on to it for you. But if you're asking him to come back, he's just not capable of that. You know, he's not a clutch quarterback in the, you know, at the end of the game. So that's what my whole point was always on the message boards was like after the seventh inning and you need a run or two. And he comes up with one or two chances with runners in scoring position. More often than not, he does not get that hit. Now, in the fourth and fifth innings, when he hit, when he jacks a grand slam or a three-run homer or a two-run double, yeah, he'll give you a lot of that. We've seen his career's filled mm-hmm. with that. Yep. But past the seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, man, I could probably name him on one hand where he's actually come through. He's very good at extending innings. Late in games, he's yeah. very good at getting on base. His on base percentage, uh, you know, in those situations is elite. You yeah. know, I I sent you the the numbers. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms, there's not a lot of like walk off hits and home runs that I remember coming from Michael Nelson Trout. You know, you want to talk about a player who was clutch. You and I talked about this on the phone off air, Todd. Uh, Albert Pools was was great in clutch situations. You know, the guy hardly ever struck out. And obviously, we're talking primarily about his Cardinals career. But even as an angel, man, if the game was on the line, the bottom of, of the ninth inning and Pools was coming up and his job was to either drive some runs in or extend the inning, he would almost never strike out. Yep. He would ground out into many double plays, sure. But at the end of the day, this is baseball. You have to hit the ball to give yourself a chance. And Pools was very good at hitting the ball in those situations. To no avail, sure, but at the end of the day, you have a better chance of driving in a run if you make contact than if you strike out looking. I agree, and one other guy I'll say that was, to me, most clutch angel of all time that I could remember, or at least in my time, uh, I, I would have to say Vladimir Guerrero, and there's a reason why he's yep. in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's so many you know, amazing playoff hits that he had, uh, comeback home runs, you know, 12 RBIs in a game. The, the guy was phenomenal. And, and that's a guy you wanted up there in the, in the, you know, cause he was like what you said, uh, you know, he put the ball in play. He would hit into double plays every now and then, but dude still put the ball in play and was a tough ass out. And again, he didn't stand there and take strike three either. Yeah. yeah. And I will say, since we've brought up Teal Pools, is one thing that I, that I noticed, um, yes, he came in clutch in certain situations for us. Um, but I think one thing that 
obviously we were basing his contract off of and his performance was obviously young pools, you know, Cardinals pools. Um, was he deserving of the entire, you know, what was it? 10 year deal or whatever we gave him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Um, but I noticed, especially towards the end of his career where pool holes, whether it was intentionally his mentality or not, it was more of his own personal stats as far as like, you know, his 3000th hit. Um, yeah. The home runs and things like that. And I've, I've noticed whether as an organization we're doing it intentionally or not, you know, we're almost doing the same thing to trout, whether he knows it or not. Like I think in the Yankee series, um, I don't know what he got. I think maybe it was like a double or something, or he like got a run. Um, I don't know. It was some type of achievement that he got. We lost the game. We still lost. So I'm just like, why? I understand recognizing accomplishments, I guess. But at the end of the day, what's that doing for the team? And that and that's my whole thing. Like Trout is a great player. Again, I'm not going to take that away from him. But these accomplishments that he's getting are are in losses, you know. And it's just like what at the end of the day, what is that really doing for the Angels organization? Um, oh, and t-shirts. Yeah, t-shirts and bobbleheads. Um, so that. Yeah. So that's uh, and blankets. And so that's my. <laughs> That's my issue is that I, again, I hope we're not doing that. Maybe trial, you know, obviously I can't imagine that he's really going out there intentionally be like, man, fuck this team. And I'm going to go get my, you know, whatever hit. But at the, at the end of the day, I feel like we're almost setting him up for that. Like we're almost setting him up to be an Albert Pujols 2.0, where it's just about Mike Trout and potentially Shohei Otani if he stays with us, like just their two individual Pat setting. Difference though with Trout is he is our guy. Pujols yeah. was not our guy. They paid him to come here and get those accomplishments. Whole reason he came here in the first place, right? Get your accomplishments here. Get 500, 600, potentially 700 here. Obviously, 700 didn't happen, but you know, that was obviously the goal when they signed him. Yeah. You know, get your 3,000 hit here. You know, do that kind of stuff here. And, you know, he did most of it here, but, you know, he didn't love the game anymore, guys. He didn't love the game. The Angel or the Dodgers rejuvenated his love in the game, not the team that paid him, you know, $30 million for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, go screw yourself, bro. <laughs> All I know is that this uh, this has been a, a, a thing that, like Fernando says and Courtney has said, we need this guy to win. We need this guy to come up. So as bad as uh, April's he had with runners in scoring position, he only has 13 RBIs. He should be where Renfro's at right now or above that. And the fact that he's not right now, it it's kind of, you know, you can still say, well, he's got decent numbers. He's still batting 300. But, again, we need him to come through in clutch situations because there's been a shit ton of runners left on base when he's up there, and he's struck out a lot. So if he starts making contact on this road series and he can get it together, then it's just going to help this team because, again, it's not the five from nine from last year that are on this team that are slowing us down. They're actually keeping us afloat. So if you get get your first three going, imagine what that lineup can do. I I have something to say. You you mean you don't we don't get extra runs for Trout hitting a hundred and ten mile per hour line drive right at somebody? <laughs> we don't. The MLB doesn't give us like an extra five runs for the most hundred and ten miles per hour ball it hit. That's Unfortunately, not, not. 
I will say this about Trout. I am extremely confident that Trout is going to have a good overall season. I am extremely confident that this that this second half of his season is going to be one of the best he's had in his career. He's still technically in his prime. He has not exited his prime yet. Next season will be a different uh, situation. It'll be what, 32 next year? Mm-hmm. That's when most players start to slowly regress. So, you know, I, I think Trout will be responsible for some big moments, some big clutch moments come the end of the year. And I do believe that he'll actually slowly start to grow a legend for himself this year. And I think that he'll single-handedly will the team to the playoffs um, come September. I, I I can see a feasible avenue where one or two moves are made where this will be a playoff team. We've seen flashes of what they can do with Trout, let's be honest, sucking ass during this home stretch here. He, he, it was not a good six games for him. He is not performing. Yeah, he's batting 300. Great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what you expect from Trout, but he's not driving in runs and the team is still winning and scoring. I mean, they scored like what? Over 35 runs this four game series against the Athletics. Mm-hmm. And what was it? Now I'm curious. We'll yeah, see. I think it's just one of those things to keep in mind. Like we, again, we have the lineup to do it even, and we've seen it. We've seen it this past seven games, even with Otani and Trout not being Otani and Trout. Or Ward. Yeah, or Ward, we we were still able to pull off two home wins, like two home series wins. Yep. Um, granted, they were against weaker teams, but the fact that we are still able to do that because, of course, in the media and sometimes even some Angels fans, of course, we put the team on Trout and Otani's back. Um, you know, the media makes it sound like if Otani and Trout are not in the lineup, that we, that we suck. Um, and and I know that's not the case because we have other players. We have Ward. We have Renfro. We have Two Fist Tony. We have a bunch of other people that can carry this lineup without you know or with trout going over four or with otani only going one for four you know yep. so, and it was clear that we were able to do that yeah and it was 34 runs so i was close there you go oh i guess 35 so <laughs> well the one game the one game that the angels won i think they only had one rbi in this entire home season or home stretch was uh was trout and he got that that win over kansas city where they hit the back to back to back the three home runs in one game, Ward, uh, Trout, and Otani. That was the anomaly series because without those three runs, I think they only got one run and two hits from the rest of that lineup. And that was the only game. The, the other, the other, um, what is it called? Um, six games, the bottom of the order carried that lineup the entire way through. So with that being said, you know, we got some tough matchups here. I want to get into that as we go on the road. I want to preview this uh, Milwaukee and St. Louis series. Get your guys's, um opinions on um, on how they're going to do tyler anderson versus wade miley wade miley's probably one of the hottest brewer pitchers he's three and one uh tyler anderson's had three consecutive bad starts in a row but he's still sporting a one and oh record uh thoughts on this opener tomorrow loss loss mm. i'm gonna go the halo honk i'm gonna call it a win oh well, here it is <laughs> I'm going to say Anderson pitches ineffective, but the bullpen and the lineup <laughs> saves him. Well, you know what? Just because you said that he's going to throw a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Because <laughs> whatever Todd says about pitching tends to be the complete opposite. Yeah. In all fairness, like I said, I, pre- 
I uh, predict a run with Suarez. So, you know. I didn't know Wanker was in Milwaukee. Winker. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I call him Jesse Wanker. Winker? Yes. Oh, do we get a rematch? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I mean, now Rendon's doesn't have the cast. Does he have the balls to go head to, or actual fists or, you know. Does Rendon go straight to him? Yeah. I think so. I think he pushes him. I think, I think Rendon starts it. That'd game, be great. <laughs> game two is a little uh, interesting here. Corbin Burns, Mr. Disgruntled Brewers pitcher himself, he's sporting a two-on-one record but uh, doesn't have a sparkling ERA. There's been some inconsistencies, and he's going up against Reed Detmere, still looking for win number one. He's 0-1, but he's pitched good and had a couple uh, blow pen losses where he did not factor in the game. So what do you got for this one? Win. Denver's gets it done. Yeah, close Close loss. Do you blame Denver's? Will it be like a Denver's loss or will it be a bullpen loss? A blowpen. That blowpen, man. That blowpen loss. Ooh, Ooh, a buttercup loss. Yep. She's calling buttercup. I'm calling also a buttercup in this one. Oh. I think the Angels leave. uh, Detmers leaves with a lead and then the bullpen gives it up. Man, we're all going to be at Courtney's house eating sad cupcakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, yes. or, uh, or what is it called? Thrifty ice creams with holes in the middle. Oh, um, man, that sounds good. I love thrifty ice cream. <laughs> with holes in the middle? Like no. a drilled hole through the top. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> That'll leave us to uh, Milwaukee's uh, third game right there. The Angels are going to be uh, going up against uh, Kyler Ray. Uh, no, not really. But Ray from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, he's 0-1. He has a 6.67 ERA. He's going to get up against Suarez, who has a Star Wars-like ERA way high up in the galaxy. He's yes. 0-1. Uh, so this is this could be batting practice right here. What do you guys got for this one? I think Jose Suarez gives us some emotional damage. Loss. Oh, wow. Break out the brooms. We're getting swept. The sweep. Oh, God. We, we do need to get Courtney off the network. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're getting A swept. sweep, man. Well, I'm brooms. pulling out my honk. Why are you like this? <laughs> the two worst pitchers on our staff currently are going to get us the Ws in this one. I, I think Suarez somehow ekes out a victory as our offense puts up a lot of runs in this game. Are you hear that, man? Jose Suarez is going to give up 26 runs. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he's about – they're going to be teeing off. How do, have, how do you have this much faith in this man and this organization? Because he hasn't been El Demoted yet. He's still El Demente. Yeah, El DFA'd? <laughs> yeah, he's getting real close. Yeah. Let me justify this by also saying I think this is going to be a 600 road trip. I think we're going to win the series against the Cardinals. I don't know what the probable pitchers are yet for the entire series, but it's going to be – Shoyo Tani is going to be one of them in theory. Patrick Sandoval is going to be in there. Yeah. So far it looks like Shohei will pitch in the finale. Um, it's to be determined for St. Louis, but St. Louis will be throwing uh, – They'll be throwing Steven Matz, who's 0-3 with a 10 ERA, and he's going to go opposed by Griffin Canning. And then Sandoval's going to take on Mikolas in game two. Yep, give me two out of three. Bang, bang. Yeah, two out of three. I I like. There you go. So Courtney and I, well, actually, no, Courtney's predicting a sweep. sweep, So Todd's predicting a 
Two back-to-back series wins. Two back-to-back Rally Chris specials. Man, yeah, this guy's honk really is showing me. Jesus, you just... Yeah. He's hungry. delusional. I'm hungry and I'm scared. Let's just put it to you that way. I was going to say, did you just eat dinner during the draft? <laughs> I'm still hungry. That's fair. And scared. I'm scared. I'm Very scared. scared. And I'm going to be on TikTok uh, messaging uh, the opposite. No! <laughs> no! That's how you trigger Fernando. When Fernando goes in the DMs and it's just women getting waved at. I'm like, no! I didn't do that! We need to be kinder to women on this network, please, because we have a couple of men that like to harass. Shut up, Courtney! <laughs> Stay in your lane, Courtney. Yeah, I remember when Swilly was on the network and she used to always pitch this false narrative that Fernando hated women. I was like, yeah. The guy who's always pitching to have women on the network is the guy who secretly hates women. Never. Yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is. I hate women. I always have. Boy, you've had a rough year, Fernando. <laughs> I really have. That's that's true. Hey, it's all right. Today, it culminated into an endpoint. Damn. I won't, I won't release my life story. People don't care. You you care, you can message me. You guys know where to find me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys got anything else? Uh, no. Todd showed us his honks all day. Yeah. Yeah. All night, all day. That was great. Um, all kinds of honks, man. Well, two two out of three of, both times. Man. Oh, man. oh, no. This is not. Yeah, no. Courtney keeps spewing her venom in every direction. We're going to loop. We're going to get swept by the brewers. Yep. <laughs> You're going to see me. I'm going to bring a broom next time. If we get swept and the next time we do this podcast, I'm going to stand. I'm going to sit here with my broom because that's like the farmer in that, like the, like the white guy farmer with yeah. like his old wife. You yes. guys know what photo I'm talking the about, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The pitchfork yeah, like one. The but pitch it's going to be Courtney one. with, with the, uh, with the broom. Yeah. Exactly. Do, right. do you own overalls? I do. <laughs> well, there you go. We She can reenact the entire photo. That's the white yeah. side of her. I know it is. That's my white side coming out. I have overalls. I, I cannot tell you the last time I owned a pair of overalls. It's, it's definitely grade school, but I I want to say probably like six or seven kind of grade school. You're in the right. You're in the right state to get a new pair. Yeah, you're in the right state to get. Yeah, let me head on over to the tractor supply company. I gotta get. Oh. I gotta get him some overalls and a jug with XXX on it. So. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Man. Go to Atwoods. I need to see Fernando dressed up like, um, like uh, Coach. Who is that? Coach Fran from uh, Waterboy, like the like the crazy the overalls. Yeah, I need Fernando to dress up like that. (laughs) Well, we get to we get to give a wager or something. Yeah, he needs he needs to talk like this. There you go. (laughs) Yes, please. Yeah. He could be t- he could be twisting his nipples when Trout hits one into the bleachers. Oh, oh no! <laughs> Just like Water Boy. Oh my Trout! Yeah. Oh. oh no! Hey James, play that soundbite again. Oh, no. James, my name's Mandy. James. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it never it gets old. All right, guys. Well, that's been the Halos in the Infield podcast. If you're still on this long, well, there you go. Uh, congratulations. You made it this far. So with that being said, uh, 
for everyone here on the show and 714 Tickets, our sponsor. Be sure to check us out whenever we are on and uh, give us a, uh, a like and subscribe and hit that notification bell. Yeah, because so for- we just lost a thousand subscribers after this episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for Todd Fox, the Lone Star Halo Fernando, and, and the Trash Halo Courtney. <laughs> have a good night.